Is your work attire causing a style fever? The cure is clear, my friend. The Pinktastic Scrubs and Accessories from Biscare. Their collaboration with the National Breast Cancer Foundation isn't just a fashion statement, my friend. It's a prescription for change. A portion of each sale supports the National Breast Cancer Foundation. BizCare is thrilled to announce that they're sponsoring this episode of the High Performance Nursing Podcast. Visit liamcaswell.com forward slash bizcare to find your nearest stockist. Remember, the best things in life are worth talking about. Talk to your friends, family, patients and colleagues about breast cancer prevention today. One of the most powerful things that I ever learned was when you're with a patient, that is your opportunity to get as much shit done as you can address all of their basic needs, really commit to that person. We have so many distractions nowadays. When you are there, it is your opportunity. I guarantee if you implement this into your nursing care, you will reduce your call bells, you will improve your patient satisfaction. Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today. Today we are talking all things being basic. Being basic bitches today on the podcast. I want to talk to you today about why being basic makes you advanced. I think this is a really important topic for us to talk about. And it's something that is close and dear to my heart today. So in this short episode, I'm going to tell you a couple of little things and stories of times where I was like totally against the whole, we just need to get better at the basics thing, which I'm sure some of you also have heard and feel a little resistant to. And I'm also going to share some personal insights and stories and lessons learned from seeing how impactful poor basics, poor execution of basics implements our patients and ourselves. So bit of backstory, as many of you know that have been listening to the podcast and following me on the Instagrams at High Performance Nursing, if you're not there, come and join the party. Unfortunately, my uncle, who I did a podcast episode on recently, where I was very passionately preaching and ranting about nursing and the state of nursing. And whilst we're not going to get into the depths of that today, unfortunately, he passed away this week. And, you know, having worked and lived overseas for the last 10 years and not really spent a lot of time with them, that was challenging for sure. But I've been able to make up for that in conversations when I've returned and you know, visiting him most recently when I was in Scotland, visiting him in the aged care home. But the reason why this comes to mind is because my uncle, Ollie, who was incredible and had an amazing, amazing life and lived into his 90s, he basically ended his life having suffered at the lack of people's commitment to delivering just really good basic nursing care. Now, I don't want any of you today to think that I'm beating up nurses or hating on nurses or hating on the fact that we're all trying to just do our best in this system. I 100% see that. I get it. I feel it. I understand. But also what is really prominent and prevalent in this experience for me is that the thing that these directors of nursing and your senior nurses have been preaching for decades, which is we got to get back to the basics, really rung true during this time where my uncle was in acute public hospitals and in the aged care setting. So I think that often when we think about 
being basic, we think like, well, I'm beyond that. I've done that. You know, I've mastered that. But what this experience has proven for me to be true is that in fact, no, we're all trying to get to the big thing. We're trying to get to the big goal. We're trying to move forward and progress ourselves. We live in a culture and a society that values progress. This podcast is called High Performance Diagnostic for a reason, because I value progress. I value growth. But sometimes at the cost of what? At the cost of the basics. Now, never a true word was spoken in my career where when I reflect back and I think about my growth from being a 19-year-old graduate nurse to being a 30-year-old nurse unit manager and that growth that happened in that time, it was ridiculous. And what I found to be true as I moved through each step of my career was that, that I kept almost neglecting the basics of my life and my career. So, for example, as a human, I was neglecting my basic foundational needs. I was neglecting my thoughts, I was neglecting my emotions, I was neglecting the actions that I was or I wasn't taking, and I was creating these results, this reality for myself, through lack of acknowledgement of my basic human needs. And then bring that over into my career, I was like building you know, my career step by step, I was jumping left, right and centre, and I think all of that's fabulous, but we cannot sit here and not address the elephant in the room, which is without having those basic foundations as you build your career, it can be really difficult as you continue to grow and evolve. And that's what I found to be true. As I grew and evolved, I was able to you know, progress towards my goals. But what I wasn't able to do was to really have a solid understanding of the basic fundamentals. And of course, what did I do? I went and got all these certificates and all of these things to validate that. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong here. I'm just sharing my lived experience. Now, when we think about not doing the basics, we're never consciously thinking, well, I'm just going to skip turning this patient today because I can't be bothered doing the basics because I'm better than being a basic bitch. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But I do want you to really just think about it and question about where in your career, where in your nursing care, could you maybe focus a little bit more on the basics? Now, the reason I bring this up today is because my uncle, bless his soul, rest in peace, beautiful human, he really did suffer in his last few years. And you know, I've been a nurse for over a decade. I've seen a lot of suffering. We all collectively see a lot of suffering. And it's not a surprise to me that his basic needs weren't met. But I think what happens and I'll talk through my career evolution, what happens when we work on the floor is that we are so consumed by the work that we do with our patients, our four, six, 12, 25 million patients, whatever you've got, we're so focused in their needs. And sometimes we absolutely nail their basic needs and sometimes we just know that we can't get there. And that's just part of the journey. But then when you move up in your career and you move to like a CN level or a team leader, you start to then become aware of everybody's needs, including the team's needs. And you look at the basics and the medium level needs and the complex needs. And you then have to kind of decipher where to go, what to do, what to sacrifice, what not to sacrifice. And as you continue to build your career and you get more of a bird's eye view, you start seeing more issues, more challenges. You start seeing more problems with addressing people's needs, their basic fundamental needs. And the higher you go in your career, the more time you spend trying to navigate and deal with the basic problems that happen day to day. 
I can tell you firsthand from my experience as a nurse unit manager, it was very rare that somebody came into my education office or my nurse unit manager office and said something like, oh, you know what, Liam, we've just misinterpreted this ABG today. No one ever really stuffed up the complex stuff. I think maybe because we just employed more critical thinking around it. Maybe we were just more attuned to the severity or the risk that comes with that. And then what would happen on the flip side of that is I would spend my days in meetings with patients, relatives, angry, pissed off relatives. And quite rightly so, they were coming in and saying things like, my mom's teeth weren't clean today and they haven't been cleaned for three weeks because they're still stuck to the top of the, her mouth and just got food in there from last year. <laughs> right? Like I laugh and joke, but it's not funny. These people would come into my office and they could see the suffering and they could see that their basic human needs of their relative were not even being met. In my uncle's context, this was a bloody pressure area care issue. He went into hospital with a broken hip, like a fracture. They couldn't do anything about it. Conservative management, he was bed bound. He's too old, lots of comorbidities, couldn't have an operation, was too high risk. So let's conservatively manage this, manage his pain. And then what happened? Over the period of two and a half weeks, no one thought about assessing his skin. Maybe they did, but no one did anything with the information. Now, when I say to you as a clinician, bed bound, fracture, you know, 90, diabetes, peripheral vascular disease, think of all of the risks that come into your mind in that moment. This is such a great opportunity to be able to go, oh my goodness, so what are his risks? What can we be doing to improve his care? In his case, he did not need all of these complex things because all of the complex things have been taken off the table. We couldn't do the operation. We couldn't do you know, any interventions. We just had to manage what we had. And there was a missed opportunity for two and a half, three weeks, whereby every clinician, now think about this, every nurse, every doctor, every physio, every occupational therapist, every member of the multidisciplinary team, yes, I'm calling out the MDT and the broader MDT, so it's everybody's responsibility, not just nurses, to then go and make these things happen. Think of all the people he would have interacted with over that period of time and the missed opportunities to be able to get him an air mattress. He needs a friggin' air mattress. It wasn't until my aunt turned around and went, oh, why is he not on an air mattress? If he's not moving, he should be on an air mattress. This was two and a half, three weeks in. And then she was feeling all this guilt. And my family were all feeling this guilt around, oh, we should have done that earlier. We should have known, we should have said something. No, we should not be having to advocate for our patients or relatives' situations when they're in a hospital setting to have their basic human needs met. So from that lack of need being met, those basic needs, he developed a really nasty and horrific pressure injury. And that pressure injury became the bane of his life. And of course, with peripheral vascular disease and diabetes, poor nutrition, lack of mobility, this pressure injury just developed, it got progressively worse, and it was necrotic, it was red and inflamed at one stage, it was highly, extra, that's a bad word, I'm not going to say that, highly, like a lot of fluid, hematis, he had a lot of pain, deep, deep pain in there, and it got so bad that he got an osteomyelitis in that foot and the bone, and there was literally nothing they could do. It was completely mismanaged throughout the whole experience. That is a basic nursing need, it's a basic human need 
to alleviate pressure. And we know, right, I'm going to butcher the evidence here, and I'm sure one of our amazing listeners, maybe Donna from Good Wound Care, will correct me, but it only takes a couple of hours for people to start developing pressure area damage. Such a fundamental basic need. And yet every clinician that looked at him, hey, they maybe did do the risk assessment. Maybe they did think, oh, he needs an air mattress. But did they action it? Did they actually do it? Why didn't they do it? There's so many things that come up, right? So when we're thinking about basic needs for ourselves and for our patients, I think too often this is a great example of something so simple that could have avoided years of pain, grief, turmoil for him. That could have been addressed in that moment in a preventative manner. And I don't really see an excuse or a reason why that couldn't and shouldn't have been done. Sometimes we just can't prevent things, right? And this was obviously clearly meant to be his path, which just sucks, but it is what it is. And we can't go back and change it. But what I feel compelled to do is to share his story and share his lesson. Now, I don't want to share all the suffering because he had 90 incredible years and was like super resilient cognitively and as an individual emotionally, like so stalwart and like the pain and the discomfort and being admitted into a residential aged care facility when you have all your faculties. Whew, that's tough. That's really, really hard. It also highlighted to me the, the basic need for debrief, even coaching. When I was in seeing him, I thought, oh, how difficult would this be to navigate this life change on your own? I don't want us to forget. And sometimes I forget this, right? I don't want us to forget how vulnerable the people are that we're looking after. When they come into the hospital, they come through those doors at the front of the hospital. It's almost like their autonomy and their capacity and their ability to do anything for themselves is like removed instantly as they come in. And all of a sudden, they are at like a very heightened, vulnerable state where they are reliant on us, where they are being kind and compassionate and nice, despite seeing that we're running around like headless chooks. They aren't asking for the things that they need when they're sitting in the chair because they can see how busy we are. They are not advocating on their own behalfs to get the things that they need to be able to progress towards their goals. And then we come in and say, oh, you know, why haven't you done your exercises today? And it's like a whole cycle of like, well, I didn't get my exercises done because you were too busy and I didn't want to ask you and yada, yada, yada. And then to compound that, we then compound the issues that our patients have and our families have with trusting us as professionals. I think sometimes we think, oh, we should be treated better. I think we should be treated better. But being treated better comes from treating others better. We can't ask for other people to treat us better as a profession and to not do all of the things to us that happen in the workforce and then us neglect other people's needs. Whether it's conscious or subconscious, it doesn't matter. It still happens. Now, we cannot meet all of the needs all of the time, but we can be human and we can acknowledge that there's a human behind the patient that we're caring for. And we can go back and say things like, hey, Today, I wasn't able to come and deal with these basic things for you. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Is there anything I can do for you now? One of the most powerful things, especially if you're a new nurse, but, you know, more senior nurses might take this away. One of the most powerful things that I ever learned was when you're with a patient, that is your opportunity to get as much shit done as you can. Address all of their basic needs. Really commit to that person. We have so many distractions nowadays. When you are there, it is your opportunity I guarantee if you implement this into your nursing care, you will reduce your call bells. You will improve your patient satisfaction. If you show up and you say, hey, Ollie, how are you going? 
what can I do for you? I've got 20 minutes. I'm with you for the next 20 minutes. We're going to wash. We're going to do this, do that. What are the things that haven't been done? Tell me all the things I'm here. I'm all ears. And you open it up instead of like dictate, tell them, right, we're doing this, we're doing that. And they're sitting there so scared, so worried, so fearful to ask for what they actually need because we haven't created an environment where it's psychologically safe for them to do so. My uncle Ollie's basic human needs just in hydration was one of the biggest points of contention during his hospital stay. What would happen is the doctors would say, hey, you need to take more water in. You need to increase your fluid intake. And he'd be like, okay, sure, no worries. And then they would then put the table at the end of the bed and he's immobile. He couldn't get to the water. So my family would go in and they'd see the table at the end of the bed. And this could be at two o'clock in the afternoon because in Scotland, there's visiting times. You can't visit till the afternoon. So you go in the afternoon and his table's at the bottom of the bed and you're like, how long has the table been there? When did he last have a drink? And then when we asked, well, when my family asked the nurses and the medical team, when did he last have a drink? Oh, he had a drink with his medications at eight o'clock this morning. What? We can't build trust in our patients and our families if they're like, yeah, it's two. And you're telling him that he needs to drink more. And then the same nurses at the same healthcare assistants would walk in and be like, you haven't drunk this jug yet. Well, because the jug's been at the end of the bed. It is deeply, deeply frustrating. And hey, I have made all of these mistakes. I have done all of these things. I've told people, I've been a hypocrite, I've told them to drink more and that I haven't filled their cup up because we're hashtag human. But I want you to think about this when you go into your clinical practice, whether you're in public, private, community, whether you're a solopreneur, whatever you're doing in your nursing career, I want you to find the opportunities to create more space for addressing the basic fundamental needs. I want to give you another example just to further show you why You know, you can be the most advanced clinician, but if you're skipping over the basics and you are not willing to connect and communicate and really create a safe space for our patients to ask for their basic needs to be met, it doesn't matter. In my viewpoint, based on my experiences, it's pointless what you're doing, right? It's like being able to read an ECG, but not being able to communicate the findings to a patient. Like the ECG skills, great, but without being able to communicate it, and break it down into lay language and really make it clear for the family, what's the point? There's no point, okay? Like we've all seen those patients that the doctors walk in, they're like, yeah, you've got type two respiratory failure and blah, 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 blah. And you've got this buffering, this bloody blah, blah, blah. And the patient's like, what did they say? Huh, I've got what? Like, am I gonna die? (laughs) They don't know, right? Because the doctors are really good at being advanced, but they're not so great at being basic. I think as nurses, one of our most amazing skill sets and abilities is to meet people where they're at and to indulge in being basic. Being basic makes our lives so much easier. When we try and get fancy, ma, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work. So another situation that Ollie experienced was this, you know, dressing of his, his wound care dressing. And I haven't been there and I haven't seen a lot of the wound care management and the dressing changes. And it's, you know, it's been a little while since I've been in the hospital, I'm not going to lie. And I don't profess to be the most clinically up to date on this podcast. That's why we talk a lot about mindset and careers and your growth and personal development, the human side of nursing. I'm not here to talk about clinical best practice. However, with that being said, he was having his dressing changed. Well, actually, his dressing was soaked through when I visited. And it just so happened that the community district nurse attended at the same time, which was great. 
So she was lovely. She came in and she was chatting away and really connected, built beautiful rapport. That's one thing I will say about NHS nurses. I think that we are really great at building rapport in my experience. So this nurse built rapport and she saw like all of the things and she really took the time to listen to him. There was missed opportunities there again. Now we're not perfect, but if you're doing a really complex heel dressing that is causing pain just by being there, like without even touching it, and he had to hang his leg off the side of the bed so there was no pressure on it, even though he was on an air mattress and we kept telling him off, that means that it's quite painful. Now, they came in and they dictated when his dressing change was being done based on their schedule. Not based on his schedule, not based on what he needed. I get it, these things happen. But surely we can plan this right ahead of time. And we'd say, Jane's coming tomorrow, she's coming between 10 to 12, and she's going to see Ollie then. So let's organise some pain relief the day ahead of time. Now, what I found fascinating was, in nursing homes in the UK now, there are no nurses. Yeah, you heard me say that right. There are no freaking nurses. So my uncle, Ollie, kept relating to the people that worked there as nurses. And I was like, I think they're carers, Ollie. And he's like, oh no, they're nurses, they're nurses. They're not a real nurse like you though. And like, so they're carers. Okay. So these guys are working through your blister packs. They do an incredible job. I'm not beating them up. But they, obviously what's lacking there is the basic ability to critically think, right? And they're kind of waiting to respond. They're waiting for triggers to be able to implement something. So this nurse came in, she was lovely, built rapport, connected, and then said, right, we're going to do this dressing because it needs, it's not due for a couple of days, but it needs to be done. I thought, oh my God, thank you. So what I did not know was she was just about ready to just pull the whole thing off, like literally rip it off. So I was like, hey, like, let me help you. Let me hold the leg. Like, let me get involved here. Let me, I was trying not to do that awkward nurse thing where you're like, I'm a nurse and all of the things. So I was helping out and I was chatting away and I was having a look and she was like, oh yeah, it's really bad. There's lots of extra day. There's you know, a lot of strike through in the dressing. It was soaking wet. It was platching. And he had a lot of pain and it was stuck. It was a, I think it was a non-absorbent dressing, but it was stuck to the wound bed. And then she's peeling it back so gently, you know, because I think oh, I put a little bit of pressure on her. I said, oh, let's just take it slow, Ollie. Would that be good? I was trying to do that whole thing. Like, let's, you know, as the relatives do, let's just take it slow, shall we? So she started peeling it back. And I said to her, I said, like, why are we not soaking this? It's clearly very stuck. And as she's pulling it back, he's on bloody warfarin, is bleeding, right? Like, so let's, like I said, can we just grab some saline and soak it? Because you're going to clean it anyway and blah, blah, blah. Oh, we don't have any saline here. It's a nursing home. I'm like, oh my God, of course you don't. Anyway, they managed to find some. So I said, no, let's not rip this off. And I advocated on his behalf. And he was shrieking in pain, like shrieking. Like it gave me chills to hear these sounds come from another human. And we were like, no, enough. So we got the saline, we soaked it off and then it came off. And this wound just looked so nasty and inflamed. It was just like, pus and extra date galore. There was still necrotic parts to it. It just looked horrific. And his sigh of relief when it came off gently through soaking it, I was like, Ollie, every time this gets changed, you need to get it soaked. Do not just rip it off. You're just causing micro trauma to the skin every time you pull it off. Anyway, we got it done. And I said, like, I was very curious, you know, you know me. I was like, oh, is there a reason why he's not being offered pain relief before? Oh, it's available to him. And I said, but yeah, he's 90. He's not going to ask for it. 
he's really not going to ask for it. It reminded me of being a nurse on the floor when I first started as a grad. I used to, every time I did a medication round, I'd be like, by the way, John, just letting you know, you've got all of these drugs available to you should you need them. Do you need any of them whilst I'm here? So I worked in a bloody busy medical admission planning unit. I don't have time to come back and forth. So I was trying to batch my work, right? So a little top tip there. Offer the PRN. Let people know that it's there. They don't see the drug chart. They don't even know that it's there. So that was something that we talked about. And I said, well, why can't he have pain relief before? And then I said, no, it's fine, son. I'm strong. I'll be fine. I said, no, <laughs> this is not an opportunity to be brave. So again, his basic need for pain relief and pain management wasn't being met. And I could go on and on and on. But the whole point of this podcast today is to highlight to us all, amazing, you amazing, high-performing clinicians, because that's what all of you are. Our patients and us have basic needs that we need to meet. We must, must, must commit to making those basic needs a priority in our day-to-day. And in fact, sometimes I even used to leave and if I had got all of the complex stuff done, because it was exciting and juicy and gory and, you know, all of the things, and I hadn't committed to the basic stuff, I would classify that as a win. But very rarely did I leave being like, wow, I got all the basic stuff done today, but all of those extra things I didn't get done. And I was like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. I would beat myself up like it wasn't enough. But I want to give you permission to go into work and to know that when you commit to delivering the basics, and that's what you offer to your patients and their families, you have succeeded. That is glorious. You should be the proudest nurse on the earth. You should walk out head held high. All the extra stuff is fluff. It's advanced. It's complex. Without the basics, it is worthless. Without the basics, it is worthless. Okay. And I used to, to wrap up, I used to always, always, always sit in these meetings with directors of nursing and they would constantly harp on about getting back to basics. And before I became an educator and a nurse unit manager, I would hear these conversations on the floor as a nurse and I'd be thinking, how dare they? How dare they think that we're not good at delivering the basics? And what did they know? What did they know? Like they don't even understand, you know, as if they've never worked on the floor before. And I used to have a lot of resistance towards that messaging until I became an educator and a nun. Because what happens when you cross that line and you are on the other side of the fence is that, like I said at the start, every problem that comes through your door is the basic of most basic problems. And you now, at this senior nursing level, are dealing with the basic of most basic problems. And it is soul-destroying. It's soul-destroying because we're yet to find a way of like resolving these issues ahead of time. Why is it that people don't clean people's teeth? I used to sit there perplexed being like, I don't know what more we can do. We can give you more staff, sure. But does that mean that the teeth are, like, does that give me a guarantee that the teeth are going to be cleaned? These are the conversations that are happening at a senior nursing level. And every day the dawn would say, back to basics, back to basics. And I would feel a little resistance But the more that I saw, the more I realized, yeah, everybody wants to come to that session on ABG analysis and like learning how to deal with a complex trauma or, you know, how to the deep anatomy and physiology of, yeah, wound care and blah, blah, blah. But every problem that came through that door, every issue that goes to a quality and safety department in the hospital, every incident report, every risk man is a basic problem that is not being met. It's a basic issue. It's not complex. 
It is lack of communication. It is lack of meeting people's needs. Nine times out of 10. Literally 99.9% of the time. So it would be a mess of me to sit here and say that we don't need to just reorientate our brain on the basics. We just need to funnel our efforts into reminding ourselves why we're nurses to deliver amazing, basic, foundational, basic but complex foundational nursing care. Because I am a firm believer that when you master the basics, that's what makes you advanced. And that's what I'm going to leave you with today. I know I went on a bit of a rant today. I feel passionate and I wanted to tell Ollie's story in a way that is an amazing lesson for all of us. It brought me so much joy to be able to help and advocate on his behalf. It also gave me so much joy to do the basics for him when I was there. I said, give me those glasses. Give me those teeth. I need to clean them right now. When did they last get cleaned? And that just filled me with such joy and happiness that I could deliver that. I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing more fulfilling as a nurse than meeting somebody's basic need. I remember specifically meeting a patient's need where she had been in a coma for a couple of weeks in ICU and I took her to the bathroom for her first shower. I said, what? we've got 12 hours today together. What do you want to do? Like, what are we doing today? And she had just come out of a coma. She was like, oh my God, this guy is nuts. But she said, you know what? I just want to feel human again. I get goosebumps talking about it. I just want to feel human again. I just want to have a shower and I want to wash my hair. And of course she had the longest hair on the earth. <laughs> and I'm not a hairdresser and that's not my skill set. I'm 40, but I was her nurse for the day. And I believe that that was my gift to that patient that day. And in taking her to the shower, we spent like two hours in that shower. I'm not kidding you. I was sweating. I was a hot mess by the end of that. I needed a shower myself. I still had 10 hours left of the day. But it was worth it. She had such an amazing experience. She felt clean. She felt human again. I gave her dignity back. We put some nice clothes on her, like at least a top. So she felt like herself. Her hair was washed and it smelled beautiful. And it was all brushed out, even though it was so painful for me to brush it out for her. And she just was so, so grateful. I bonded with her. I connected with her. And we went back to the room for the day. And she just was so happy. Her husband came in. And he was so happy. He had never seen her sitting up for two and a half weeks. And there she was looking all pretty with her hair all done. That is the gift that we give to our patients in meeting their basic and complex needs. And we don't do it for what I'm about to tell you. But I'll tell you how much of an impact that had on that patient. I got a, an email from my old nurse unit manager in the UK when I moved to Australia a year later. And she said, hey Liam, I just wanted to let you know that I did an intensive care follow-up session with the patient that you looked after. And the whole time she talked about that day that she had a shower and when she had her hair, her hair brushed and hair washed. And she said, you're never going to believe what she did, but she's just had a baby boy and she called him Liam. I get chills to this day thinking about that. And I don't say that to glow. I say that because I'm immensely proud that in that moment, with all of my advanced skills, with my you know, tracheostomy skills, my central venous access device skills, my multiple, you know, hemofiltration device skills, my ventilation skills, my deep knowledge of intensive care nursing, that on that day, my patient needed their hair washed. And I absolutely friggin' nailed it. And I made her feel human again. There's nothing better as a nurse. So I want you to go off and find those opportunities for yourself. We all have these beautiful stories. Our patients deserve their basic needs to be met. And I will see you in the next episode. 
And I look forward to hearing your stories in social media, on social media, about why being basic is friggin' amazing and why being basic is going to make you advanced. I'll chat to you in the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I'm so privileged that you spent your time with us here today. Hey, can I ask a favour? If you know someone that would benefit from this podcast episode, please share it with them. The more you share, the more we get in front of amazing nurses and we're able to help them see that nursing on their terms across their career is totally possible for them. So I'd love if you could do that. Now, I will see you in the next episode next week. Until then, let's make this year the year that you nurse on your terms. Are you ready? Let's do it.